Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 2, Episode 7, titled Zuko Alone. Yet another one of my favorite episodes of this entire series. This episode is magnificent. It is extraordinary. It is an absolute masterpiece in and of itself. Not only is it brilliantly crafted, not only does it tell an extraordinary narrative, but I would go as far as to say That this is the episode that, in my mind, solidifies Zuko as one of the greatest characters ever crafted in any form of narrative ever. Zuko is a brilliant character with such a compelling inner struggle. And I think this episode kind of proves it. This is the episode... Where I really started to look back at Zuko and think, man, there's something greater there. (laughs) There's something truly, truly incredible there beyond what we've seen before. Beyond even this show's character-driven greatness. Now, this episode's very clearly divided into two separate portions Uh, The flashback storyline and the present day storyline. We'll talk about the flashback storyline first. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. To see Zuko as a kid, it puts so much in context. Even beyond what we saw in the storm of Zuko getting his little facial scar from Ozai. Like, it establishes so much context for who Zuko is at his core. Uh, Of course, star of this episode, his relationship with his mother. We see that on screen for the first time. We see how he was with her. We see how that relationship went. And it's genuinely touching. It really, really is. You see this anchor in his life. This emotional anchor in his life. Pre-Iro. And 
it feels so natural. It feels so wholesome in a way that is so, so such a stark contrast to how we see Zuko today. And it's really, really brilliantly explored. I'll get into that more later. We also get a phenomenal insight into the psychology of Zuko as a villain versus the psychology of Azula as a villain. Zuko is a very good kid. He's a nice boy. He just goes around, wants to live his best life, wants to have a close relationship with his mother, sees the world in a very optimistic way, sees the world in a very empathetic way. Again, very stark contrast to how we see Zuko in the present day, at least last season, at least up until this point. Meanwhile, Azula is just every bit as crazy as she is in the present day. She's every bit as conniving, every bit as slimy, every bit as untrustworthy as she is today. And what this tells us is that Zuko, as a villain, is a product of his environment. He is not a base level of bad. Life just forced him to be that way. While Azula... She's just base level horrible person. That was her nature from the very beginning. Azula is a villain by nature. Zuko was a villain by nurture. And I think... Having that context, knowing that about these two characters, it it makes so much so incredibly clear. So much of these two characters' arcs makes so much more sense Knowing that fact, knowing Zuko could very easily not have been a villain, but Azula was always destined to be. Knowing that Azula was bad by nature, Zuko was bad by nurture. And that is something that without spoiling anything, you need to keep in mind throughout the remainder of this series. If you haven't seen it before, because my god... (laughs) (laughs) That concept, that idea, that core psychology of Zuko versus Azula does come back in a big way. We also get a little more context in regards to Iroh's son. Who, it was mentioned before, passed away in the Siege of the North. We don't know, we didn't know how, we didn't know what had happened, we just knew Iroh mentioned in the Siege of the North, my son was killed, or my son died. We see Iroh at Ba Sing Se, his legendary siege of Ba Sing Se that we've heard so much about, 
We see him there. In full general mode. About to burn Ba Sing Se to the ground and win the war for the Fire Nation. And then like five minutes later, not even, we hear, Uh, your cousin Luten died. He was killed in battle. Um, yeah. And we don't see Iroh, but we get all the information we need from it. Where they just say, uh, yeah, Iroh's coming home. Iroh's not continuing his siege of Ba Sing Se. So that's a thing. So much is built up around this character in this little subplot. Without us ever really seeing Iroh all that much, aside from him writing a letter. And yet it doesn't take away from the empathy we feel towards that character, because this is indeed Zuko's story. This flashback is indeed Zuko remembering what happened. And we know enough about Iroh to know, yeah, he was probably destroyed. And then this facilitates... Ozai's rise to power. He takes the opportunity, and we see him take the opportunity through Zuko's eyes of going into Fire Lord Azulon's chambers and saying, Hey, I'm here. My children are alive. Make me Fire Lord. <laughs> Revoke Iroh's birthright. And... The scene with the audience of Azulon is phenomenal. Azula outshining Zuko in every possible way. Zuko making a complete fool of himself. Trying to live up to her level. And then Azula and Zuko... Hiding behind the curtain as Ozai pleads with Azulon, Make me Fire Lord! I wanna be Fire Lord! And then, of course, Zuko runs away before we get the big reveal of you must feel the pain of losing a firstborn son by sacrificing your own. And the frickin' bedroom scenes... The two scenes in Zuko's bedroom are magnificent. Azula coming in and saying, Dad's going to kill you. No, really, he is. Chills! Chills every time I hear that line! (laughs) Good God! And Zuko just being so afraid of like, No, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Azula always lies. Azula always lies. And then the second bedroom scene of Zuko's mother coming in and saying, basically goodbye. 
and saying no matter how much things might seem to change, never forget who you are. And, of course, in the moment, we don't know that this is his mother saying goodbye. But when you go in on rewatch, it's heartbreaking knowing what's about to happen. It really, really is. And then, of course, Zuko finds out the next morning, Azulon's dead. His mother's dead. And then we get that funeral scene. Slash coronation, where Ozai officially becomes Fire Lord, and good God, terror! So much terror. And then we get the present day storyline, which is, I would argue, just as good. Right from that opening sequence. You see Zuko on his ostrich horse. He goes across that bridge. Almost falls off the bridge. You see one moment, and I love this moment, and I forgot it happened. You see one moment of some dude around a campfire. There's some food on the campfire. Zuko reaches for his swords to steal the food. And then he sees the dude go over to a pregnant woman. And Zuko stands there for a moment and takes his hand off the sword and just moves along. So much in that one scene. So much is is freaking shown. In that scene, so much is given to us in that scene. It is extraordinary. And then, of course, Zuko rides into that village. And he has that run-in with the soldier bully people who got an egg thrown at them by this kid. He gets the feed he just bought stolen. And these freaking soldiers, I hate them so much. They're such assholes! Those soldiers are supposed to be protecting us from the Fire Nation. But they're just a bunch of thugs. There's so much defeat in that line. Good God. And then, of course, this kid repays Zuko by saying, Hey, I'll take you to my house and feed your ostrich horse for you. And his family shelters him at their farm. And everything that happens on the farm is so freaking good. Uh, I love the scene of Zuko working on the barn. And Lee, the Lee's this kid's name. Lee just constantly asking him questions that he refuses to answer. It's a very delightful moment. I love the kids stealing Zuko's swords playing with them for a bit, and then Zuko going out and training him. It's a really, really fantastic, heartwarming moment. And then the soldiers come in and are like, 
Hey, 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 just so you know, this kid's brother just got captured by Fire Nation. His battalion just got captured. Hey, 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 let's leave now. So the father leaves to get Lee's brother back. And Zuko leaves as well after giving this kid his knife that Iroh gave him. Never give up without a fight. And then as Zuko is just sort of laying down on the ground somewhere, the kid's mother comes up and and says, The soldiers came back as soon as the dad left. Lee pulled a knife on him. I don't even know where he got a knife. And then they took him. They said if he's old enough to fight, he's old enough to go to war. (sighs) So much is wrong with this. God, these, these soldiers, every time I watch this episode, my blood boils. I hate these assholes. So... Then Zuko goes in and has this big fight with the soldiers. I love how he just takes down those first three effortlessly, by the way. And then he goes on this fight with this one guy while everyone else is watching him. And then when Zuko's down and it looks like it's about to, he's about to be defeated, he says, Screw this sword combat. Now I'm going to do some firebending. And he does firebending. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. And he takes this dude out so effortlessly. And the dude's like, who are you? And Zuko does this whole introduction of, My name is Zuko, son of Ursa and Fire Lord Ozai, Prince of the Fire Nation, heir to the throne. And then that one dude off in the distance says, Hey, liar! I've heard of you, you're not a prince, you're an outcast! His own father burned and disowned him! And then Zuko goes to help the kid and the family who took him in and was so kind to him before, just shuns him. Even the kid says, I hate you, with no remorse. And then Zuko just leaves. It doesn't matter that he just saved this village from a bunch of bullies. It doesn't matter that this kid is home safe because of him. All they see is the Fire Nation Prince. All they see is the son of the man whose name in which these soldiers have constantly oppressed them. And I get it. 
I kind of get that mentality, and I think Zuko kind of gets it too, because this family literally had a member of them get captured. This kid's brother got captured by the Fire Nation. Oh my god. It is such a gray area. This whole episode, this whole plotline is such a gray area. Now what is the takeaway from this episode? Because there is one. It's that Zuko wants to be good. But he can't. The circumstances into which he was born. The family into which he was born. What he is. Who he is. Nothing around him is allowing him to be a good man. But he wants to be. You can tell he wants to be. By seeing his actions as a child. And then seeing his actions as a adult refugee outcast. You see. You see that he wants to be a good man. That it's in his nature to not be a cartoon villain. That it's in his nature to be something more in the middle. But he can't. He tried to do good with this village. And what did he get for it? He got shunned. He did do good with the man and his pregnant wife. But who's going to know about that? No one. No one around Zuko, friend or foe, will will allow him to be a good man. That is not the hand he was dealt. And there's always going to be some circumstance. Whether it's his family. Whether it's his banishment. His desperation to get home. Only when he captures the Avatar. There's always going to be something. That prevents him from being a good man. That is Zuko's struggle. More so than anything else. And we will see a lot more of that. In the coming months. As we finish the last season and a half of this show. As we get through the back half of this show. Because man. This episode. Solidified an arc, a personal journey that Zuko has to go on throughout this series. That at this stage could go either way. And I am very excited to talk about how that arc proceeds. This episode is brilliant. This episode is absolutely extraordinary. I love everything about it. It's so freaking good. Oh my god, it's just a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece within a larger masterpiece. But this, in like, just on its own, it's brilliant. And I love it. Like, this is, like, top three favorite Avatar episodes. 
Honestly, my top three in no particular order. This, the Storm, and uh, the four-part Sosin's Comet arc for the series finale. Those are my three favorites. So great. So freaking great. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 2, Episode 8. Talk to you then.